Hello, and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today, our senior pastor, Perry Duggar, will deliver a message about Jesus healing a blind man. You can follow along with the message in Mark 7, 31 through 37. You can also find our weekly message outline and other resources on our website at brookwoodchurch.org or on our Brookwood app. How many of you recognize that's an old hymn? How many of you don't know what a hymn is? Let me, let me say something about that. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to disconnect from the history of the church. We're not antithetical or uh, anything that we learned in traditional church. But you have to be careful. I grew up in church as well. Those hymns have deep meaning. But if you've heard them a lot, they can become a memory. And you can lose a sense of of distinctively what it's saying. So those of us that have grown up in church have to stop and reflect carefully on the words again. Now, those of you who've never heard it before don't have any idea what I'm talking about. But we're glad to expose you to some of these old, that's not one of the oldest hymns, um, but it's, it was one of the songs that was found in hymn books as we grew up in our childhood. So we do, we do both, both and. We continue our series, The Life of Jesus. Um, we have placed another order for books. I think they're, are they in now? You, you, we bought out, I think, about 5,000. So now there's another 1,000 or two ordered. So feel free to buy the books. No, you can't get this big one, but you can get a smaller one for much less. Read along with it. Get in a group of people, you know, and then I urge you this summer, reread the entire thing and just... Come to know Jesus. He's the author and finisher of our faith. He's the foundation of our faith. We want to be sure we are not projecting our own opinions onto Christ. We're not asserting our preferences and prejudices, but that we're being instructed by him. So it takes some time in his word. Today's message is entitled, Hearing and Speaking. You can take out your outline, your message guide, and the first two panels are your uh, message outline. The theme verse on top is taken from Isaiah, which Isaiah has many of the prophecies about the Messiah. And when he comes, he will open the eyes of the blind and unplug the ears of the deaf. Jesus' miracles were not just to gain a crowd. They were actually signs that identified him as Israel's expected Messiah. So we're going to reflect this morning on a particular healing of a man who could not hear or speak clearly. Now today we're in reading 91 and it's on page 113. And it begins... Again, leaving the region of Tyre. We've got a map. There you go. See, y'all started to laugh. I heard that chuckle. Now, Jesus' hometown was what? Capernaum. He was born in Nazareth. He, lived in, he moved to Capernaum when the people were threatening to throw him off a cliff. All right, he went up to Tyre to, to preach and teach and heal and do ministry. 
he went by way of Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and see Tyre and Sidon are on the Mediterranean Sea. Sidon's about 20 miles north of Tyre. And then he went down through Sidon, down toward the Sea of Galilee, through the region of the Decapolis. Now, the Decapolis means 10 cities. So, it's interesting that Jesus went from Tyre up to Sidon, and he looped down. The Decapolis are all these 10 cities, Damascus, Canatha, Hippus, Dion, Raphana, Gadara, Pella, Geshera, Philadelphia, and there's only one that's actually to the west of the Jordan River, and that's Scythopolis. You can see Damascus and Canatha are in Syria today. The others are in Jordan today. But Jesus looped around because these, this area was not controlled by Herod Antipas, who was building resentment and opposition against him. Now, Decapolis was these cities that are to the east, mostly to the east of the Jordan River. That's the Jordan River that runs down. It runs into the Dead Sea, but it's not pictured there. These cities were Greek. And so they, they weren't Jewish, so they worshiped Greek idols. You remember learning those in the sixth grade? You know it, don't you? Name me, who was the, the, the leader, the head? Zeus, very good. And the goddess of love. Listen to y'all. And the goddess of the hunt. Artemis. And the goddess, the god of wine. Bacchus. Those were the four that they worshipped in the Decapolis. So go back to the text. So it was a different culture. It's not a Jewish culture that he's uh, approached now. And they brought to him a deaf man who had a speech difficulty. There's a Greek word, magialos, and, and what it means literally is hardly talking, tongue-tied, or a speech impediment. So it doesn't mean he was unable to emit sounds, un, 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 in, had an ability to articulate speech. It was just very garbled. It was very unclear. And they begged Jesus to lay his hand on him. So they were urgently asking Jesus to help this man. Now notice here, Jesus is unconcerned about becoming ceremonially defiled. Because I've taught you that Jews didn't come anywhere near Gentiles. In fact, they would have avoided this region. Because just by going into the region, they could become ceremonially defiled and couldn't go into the temple. So Jesus was unconcerned about the difference in Jews and Gentiles. And he was not concerned that people's illnesses could make him unclean. He often touched people in the process of healing them. And so he showed his recognition, his regard, his dignifying of people who were suffering. I hope we're like that. This man's deafness, you see... Prevented him from speaking clearly, from pronouncing words distinctly. Now, in this culture, people with physical impairments, deafness, blindness, were often ostracized. 
And the people suspected that they were being judged by God for sin. And that's why they were suffering physically. John 9, verses 1 and 2. But these caring friends and family members brought him to Jesus. They knew better. Do we know better? Do we know that Jesus is the need for our friends? And what are we doing to take them to Jesus or bring them to Jesus? Now, these people were idol worshipers. But they knew that their gods could not heal disease or cast out demons. But they had heard that Jesus could. So they responded. So we want to see how Jesus dealt with this deaf man so that we can also discover how he relates to us. First, we see that Jesus is attentive to my needs. Verse 33, first part. So Jesus, he took him away, him being the deaf man. So Jesus took away the deaf man from the crowd privately. I don't want you to miss that. Jesus has a mob pressing in on him. This was a man of no status. I'd already told you because of his illness, he was likely ostracized. Because of his infirmity, he certainly wasn't a prosperous businessman. He was probably a person not regarded very, as very significant in the community. He had been neglected scorned, perhaps even mistreated for much of his life. And yet, he receives personal, undivided, specific attention from the Savior. Jesus noticed this man. He also fixes his attention on each of us individually and personally. Do you know that? Sometimes we can think I'm not significant enough for for Christ to notice me. He doesn't care. He's not attentive. But I'll promise you, Christ sees your situation. He knows your suffering. He understands your needs. So Jesus understood this man. He empathized with his needs. And it's interesting to me that Jesus showed it by communicating with him using gestures and nonverbal signals. He didn't know sign language, obviously. But look what Jesus did. After putting his fingers in the man's ears. That strike you as odd? See, the man can't hear. He doesn't know sign, neither of them, I mean, Jesus probably innately maybe would have known sign language, but this man certainly wouldn't. So Jesus showed him by putting his finger in his ears, I know where your problem is. Has Jesus ever put his finger right in your problem? It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? But he's saying, I know where it is. Is it in the heart? Is it in the mind? Jesus knew this man was not limited mentally. He was not possessed by demons and he wasn't cursed by God. He just couldn't hear. He continued. 
and spitting, he touched his tongue. Now, you like that one, don't you? See, y'all are such germaphobes. The reason you get sick so much is because you, you didn't grow up eating any dirt or anything. You're all too clean. Ask the pediatrician. We have some in here. The problem, your kids get sick because you, you keep them too clean. You need some germs. Go outside, roll in the grass a little bit. This gesture identified this man's speech disability. As much as you're repelled by it, I'd like to see you there. Jesus spits in his hand and he goes to touch your tongue. I'd like to see what you would have, you would have recoiled. <laughs> Some of you are recoiling from Jesus' approach for other reasons. Now we know there's no healing power in saliva. Spit. No healing power in it. But these people thought there might be. They thought there was. And Jesus used spit at least two other times. Another time he touched a man's eyes. One time he spit in the dirt and made mud and rubbed it on a guy's eyes. You like that one, don't you? Mark 8, 23, John 9, 6. But these people thought this spit had medicinal properties. So the deaf man understood that Jesus intended to improve his speech. Verse 34, then looking up to heaven. Jesus demonstrates that the healing power is not from him. The healing power is from heaven. Now we know heaven isn't up. Heaven's another dimension. It's imminent. It's everywhere. But people don't conceive of that. If I ask most of us, where's heaven? You automatically point up. So even though it's not, it's not accurate in terms of physics, it, it, is, it is accurate in terms of understanding. And he sighed deeply. Which the man wouldn't have heard the sigh, but he would have seen the face. He would have, he would have seen the chest rise and fall. And you know what it, what it expressed? It expressed compassion for the suffering of this man. See, Jesus knows your suffering. And even though he's about to heal, he still feels the years of neglect, mistreatment, being overlooked, being minimized, being mistreated. Any of you fit that category? Jesus feels what you felt. Do you know that Jesus cares about you? You have to start here. Did you know that? You must know Jesus cares about you. Or it'll be hard to move forward in your faith. You, become, you can become this sort of robotic, information-driven Christian, but I don't know what kind of Christian that is. Christians are people who are loved by God and in turn love him. The order is important. Do you know that he's attentive to your needs? See, a lot of us that grew up in homes where we were neglected project that on God. 
It's interesting. I saw that Lee Strobel movie, The Case for Christ. Very good, very fine movie. And an atheistic psychology professor listed all these famous atheists and said without exception, they were disconnected from their fathers. It's true. Do you think Jesus doesn't care, doesn't know? You got to start in your, back in your family. You learn to respond to, to a male or masculine authority, which in the Bible, God is, masculine pronouns are used for God. He's not only masculine. But it affects how you think he sees you. Do you know that? And it's automatic. It's automatic. You know it. 1 Peter 5, 7, you have to know this verse. You have to, and you have to know it, not to memorize it, but to believe it. Give all your worries and cares to God. Well, here's the only reason you can do that. I want you to say this with me, but rephrase it. I'm going to read it. I want you to read the last part and say, he cares about me. Okay? I'm going to read it. You point to who he cares about. Give all your worries and cares to God. You believe that? Do you know it? That'll be the foundation for your faith. We continue. Mark 34. And said to him, Ephatha. Now, that's, that's not Hebrew, that's Aramaic. See, Jesus didn't actually speak Hebrew. He actually spoke Aramaic. But it's very close to Hebrew. Kind of like Spanish and Portuguese are, are real close. You see what I'm saying? But it's a different dialect, different um, informal language. And then it's interesting that in this translation it says, that is be opened. Now that's in English for us, but it was, but it was in Greek by the, by the writer of the um, gospel. So he's translating Aramaic for the people that don't understand because Mark was written to Greeks. So he's translating into Greek. Now what ephathra means is be opened. Immediately his ears were opened. His speech difficulty was removed. And he began speaking clearly. When Jesus spoke, the man received the ability to hear and speak clearly. Now Jesus' healing was a work of of divine energy through his word. The same way that he created the universe. The universe was created by the word, the logos, which is Christ. Christ was the specific creator. John 1, 1 through 3, Colossians 1, 16, Hebrews 1, 2 and 3. When Jesus healed these, these physical diseases, it identified him as the expected Messiah. Isaiah 35, 5 on the top of your outline. But I want you to understand this. Healing physical diseases... was not Jesus' greatest miracle. It 
Every person healed of illness, every person from whom demons were cast out, every person even who was raised from the dead like Lazarus would die again. Jesus' greatest feats of healing are not physical. They are spiritual. When Jesus enables you to hear spiritually by being born again by his Holy Spirit, that healing is permanent. It's eternal. Look at this verse. Again, another passage that you, you have to know. I use it frequently because I want us to understand this. People who aren't spiritual, which means who aren't born again, can't receive these truths from God. It sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it. See, now I'm not saying humanly you can't grasp it. You can grasp it humanly. But there's a difference between grasping something humanly and grasping something spiritually, isn't there? When you grasp something spiritually, it actually grasps you. And it changes you. But you can know the whole Bible humanly, intellectually, cognitively, from cover to cover and be completely unchanged. You can finish Christian high school, Christian college, go to seminary. You can know the Bible backwards and forwards. Humanly. Spiritually, you're changed. You see the difference? For only those who are spiritual, who are born again, can understand what the Spirit means. You see, truth is transformative. You can't know truth and not be changed by it. It's it's an experience of revelation. You get me? I don't know what he ate last night, but he is confusing the fire out of me today. This This is deep truth. There's a way to hear humanly And it is totally different than hearing spiritually. Everybody understanding this? If not, it will have a little class out front afterward. So here's my question. Have you heard God's voice spiritually? You haven't if you haven't been changed by it. That makes sense? Jesus is also aware of my nature. After Jesus said, Ephatha, this man could hear and speak clearly. And then Jesus said something surprising. Then he ordered them to tell no one. That strike you as odd? Keep quiet. Don't tell anybody what I just did. See, perhaps the first words this man ever heard in his life, and we don't know if he was deaf from birth, congenitally, but very young, certainly. But So perhaps, perhaps the first words he ever heard clearly were, don't tell anyone this. 
Doesn't that strike you as odd? How, what did, how did they respond? What did they feel? They wanted to yell. They wanted to shout. They wanted to dance about. They wanted to tell someone, anyone, everyone what had happened to them, right? You know what I'm talking about? Well, why did Jesus direct these people to say nothing? Because just a little bit earlier, he told a demon-possessed man who had the unusual name of Legion. Did you read that passage? You've got to keep reading. It was just a few days ago, reading 79. And the reason he had the name Legion was because there were so many of them inside of him. But he told him, tell everybody. Why? Why the difference? One key, it was the same area. And perhaps this demoniac named Legion, remember, remember the demons were cast out and where'd they go? That's right. Went into the pigs. That's the first time you ever had deviled ham in history. <laughs> oh, some of y'all didn't even get that in the first wave. Larry, we need to do some hearing tests on some of these people. Perhaps it was because the demoniac was the first missionary to that Gentile region. But now news about Jesus has spread, but it spread about the ability to work miracles. How, how else did the deaf man's friends know to bring him? They heard it. And Jesus didn't have any interest in encouraging people to pursue him for materialistic or political reasons. He wasn't trying to raise an army. He wasn't even trying to get human followers. He was trying to transform lives. Very different. Jesus knew that people would seek him to have, to have their desires fulfilled for healing, for food, for freedom from Roman rule. Instead of seeking him with the desire to follow him wherever he went and to submit their lives to his service. In other words, don't come to Christ if you don't intend to submit your entire life to his service. You're just coming because you want something. It's a relational thing. You get me? She didn't marry if, if she thought that you only wanted to just, you know, most of the time spend the night with her. She's got no interest in you. She only wants you if you came to give over your whole life. Is that right? It's totally different. We know lots of people who get married for lots of, some as shallow as sex, but we get, get married for various reasons. Uh -uh. It's about fusing two lives into one. That's what we're talking about in Christianity. You lose yourself to Christ. 
Jesus told people numerous times throughout the Gospels not to tell anyone about the miracles. Didn't that, doesn't that strike you as odd? Say, I want you to remember this book's only five bucks. I want you to have a pen and write a big question mark when you read something like that or go, why? What is this about? Because you see, humanly, everybody wants something from Christ. Everybody wants a miracle, right? My 403B needs a little shot in the arm. I need a little something here. I need a deal to work. I need a spouse. I need a house. I need a car. I need something. This, this foot doesn't work well anymore. I need some healing in this foot. Everybody wants something. Uh-uh. This is an invitation, yes, to receive something, but to give something yourself to a greater cause. An overwhelming number of people were coming. Some of them were coming just for bread, you know, thinking, hey, we don't have to buy groceries this week. Let's follow that guy. And they really were doing that. But he knew that people following him for self-centered reasons would hinder his ministry. Now, I got one for you that'll throw you for a loop. Just saying, I want to go to heaven, not hell, is a self-centered reason. That's different than saying, I want to surrender my life to Christ. I want to live in relationship with him now so that that relationship can be extended into heaven later. See the difference? Jesus even instructed his own disciples to keep quiet until his mission was completed. Because his mission included some aspects that were most important and had nothing to do with healing and casting out demons. Look at Mark 8, 29. But you, he asked them again, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered him, you're the Messiah. And he strictly warned them to tell no one about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, be killed, and rise after three days. That statement was nonsensical. Because the very religious leaders should have been the ones that embraced him the most readily. See, the message about Jesus, the miracle worker, was inadequate and incomplete. It indicated that Jesus, it, it, it did indicate that the Messiah had arrived, the miracles did. But, but the emphasis on that story failed to recognize the real reason for his coming. If he came to heal, he did a miserable job. The pool at Bethesda had people sick laying around the edges of the pool, probably five, six deep. Because they thought whoever, that an angel would ruffle the waters and, and whoever got in first would be healed. And how many, when all these people, I mean, there was, had to be dozens of them, how many did Jesus heal? Miserable as a healer, wasn't he? I mean, let's be honest. See, we're so scared to see things honestly. If he's came to heal, he's it's miserable as a healer. Mm -mm. He came to heal eternally. The real reason he came 
was to suffer and die for our sins so that by faith we could be forgiven and we could pursue relationship with him that starts here and extends into eternity. That's the real reason. Back to the text. Okay, so he told these people to say nothing. How well did that instruction go? But the more he ordered them, the more they proclaimed it. That is funny, isn't it? This man and his friends could not contain themselves. They they told everyone and anyone. Ironically, Jesus healed this man's hearing and then he disobeyed the first instruction he was given. Was Jesus surprised? Was he disappointed? Was he, Mike? Mm -mm, Because he knows our nature. John 2, 25, Hebrews 4, 15, 16. See, here's what happens. When we hear God spiritually, it transforms us. And like this formerly dead man, we will speak out of the overflow of a supernatural experience that we've had with God. And you can't help yourself. So have you heard God speak? Spiritually. And you know how I can know if you have? Like these people, you can't contain it. You can't not tell the story. About your experience with Jesus. Jesus is also always sufficient. These astounded spectators in the crowd commented on Jesus' miracles. They were extremely astonished. And they said, he has done everything well. Well is a Greek word, kalos, and it means rightly, correctly, appropriately. He even makes deaf people hear and people unable to speak talk. So these people are commenting on the the perfection of Jesus' miracles. It was instantaneous. It was a complete cure. It was evident immediately. It may be that he healed this man's hearing by repairing the, the structural cause of his deafness. Perhaps he recreated his ears. I don't know. But look at this. The correction of his speech was different. It's unlikely that there was a functional problem with his tongue. It's unlikely that there was something structurally wrong with his vocal cords. Why was it that he couldn't hear? I mean, he couldn't speak. Because he couldn't hear. He never heard clearly. But, But Jesus restored this man's ability to speak perfectly with no speech therapy. With no delay. Without even any practicing. 
changed. That means that Jesus had to change this man's grasp of language, vocabulary, pronunciation. He had to change, alter something in the language center of his brain. He had to alter this man's mind. Jesus can heal bodies, emotions, and minds immediately, instantaneously. You know, a lot of us function out of emotional wounds. Have I convinced everybody of that? We act out of lies we believe about ourselves and about God. And you know what? You can read the Bible, you can memorize scriptures, and it will not change those lies. You're struggling to believe it. But when you hear God speak, it's changed. As we pray, we can hear God's Spirit speak to us, exposing lies, revealing truth, and that experience alters our minds. That's exactly what we do in transformation prayer. But it happens in other settings too. But it only happens when you have talked to God about this issue and he shows you the problem and gives you truth. You know what I'm talking about? And you're different. That resentment that you had, that fear that you had, that anger that you've been carrying, it's gone. Sometimes it takes several steps, many steps. But Jesus always relates to us rightly, perfectly, appropriate. But it doesn't mean he always heals us physically or mentally. We anoint with oil and we will today. And sometimes people are healed, but not every time. He's always able to heal body and soul. Sometimes he doesn't. He heals for his purpose. He heals according to his will, not our will. Paul understood this principle very well. He articulated in Corinthians. Let me have it. Therefore, so I would not exalt myself, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment me, so I would not exalt myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times to take it away from me. He's talking about a physical problem. Perhaps his problem was vision. He ended up having somebody write letters for him. When he did write in Galatians, he said, see how I formed these letters with my own hand, very big. He said, you would have taken out your eyes for me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Therefore, I will gladly boast all the more about my weakness so that Christ's power may reside in me. You know that problem you want gone so desperately? It might separate you from God. Can you accept that the dependence is better for the development of your faith than you being 100% whole in every way. Can you accept that? And will you believe 
and Jesus is sufficient for me. Jesus is sufficient because when I'm weak, then I'm strong. See, you being strong in your humanity isn't the goal for God. He can heal us, but he doesn't always. But he's always sufficient. Do you believe that today? Some of you have been wounded. Some of you have been mistreated. Some of you, even by family members, by others. Can you believe that even in that weakness, in fact, that weakness may be God's way into your soul. He's all we need. I want, to ref- I want you to reflect right now. You can close your eyes. You can sing along. But I want you to reflect on the healing and the sustaining power of Jesus as we sing. Jesus is sufficient because there's power in his name. Do you know him? Can you stand in the sufficient power of Jesus? Counselors will be here. Counselors, you come now. They'll be here to pray with you about a relationship with Christ. They'll be here to anoint you with oil. We do anoint for healing, knowing it's God's will and not ours when he heals. Also, I want to remind you, next week is first Sunday. I'm asking you to try to come one Sunday for prayer, 815, right in here. Because we're learning that what we do humanly is of little value. So we have to ask God to pour out His Spirit on us. It's the only way anything eternal happens. Father, how we thank You. You see us. You regard us. You know us. You acknowledge us. You dignify us. But You meet all of our needs. In your precious son's name we pray. Amen. Here at Brookwood Church, our desire is to assist you in pursuing a relationship with Jesus so that you experience transformed life. If you have questions about this message or you would like to request prayer, we encourage you to visit our website at brookwoodchurch.org forward slash get help. You can also find our message archives on our website or on our Brookwood app. Thank you so much for listening and have a blessed day.